Welcome back to the Progressive Podiatry Project podcast. As always, I'm Talisha, and today we're having the footy episode. So I'm very thankful and excited to welcome Sam Turner, aka That Football Podiatrist, and National Tech Manager for <laughs> New Balance, Maddie Spicer, who's an old friend of the channel. So welcome, guys. Thanks, Kate. It's coming into football season, so I thought it was very timely to invite you both to educate not just myself, because as we've all discovered, I've got no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to footy boots. But when it comes to talking to other health practitioners, I think we're realizing that there is a massive knowledge gap that exists. And both of you are definitely leaders in your respective fields as far as football boots and yeah, finding the right fit. So very much looking forward to what we can cover off today. So let's get into it. The Progressive Podiatry Project, here to share knowledge, insights and information for you to improve your clinical practice and most importantly, help you help your clients. All right, so before we get stuck into all things football boots, I'm just going to get both of the guys to introduce themselves. So Matt, you're an old friend of the channel, but there are definitely some new listeners that are joining us. So Matt, can you just give us a little bit of a rundown of where you fit into the footy boot space? Yeah, absolutely. So I think this is my um, my third my third visit here. So I'm starting to feel like family now. Wow. Um, so yeah, I'm my major role is national technical manager for New Balance Australia and New Zealand. So I look after both countries from a training and product knowledge point of view. Um, I am football and running sports marketing manager for New Balance Australia. So I manage about 25 athletes. About 11 of those are footballers. Um, and then I'm also football and tennis category manager for New Balance. So I do the buying and ranging and strategizing and planning for all our ranges for our sales team. And is there any spare time that's involved in your life? <laughs> um, I'm incredibly talented at spinning plates on all of my fingers and trying not to let them drop. But yes, that's work-life balance is, uh, I, I believe more in presence. So just being, being present in whatever I'm doing, that's working for me at the moment. Very well, you you pull it off very well because <laughs> yeah. And Sam, you are you've been contributing mm. to P three a little bit more so behind the scenes, and we do have some more announcements as far as what P three and that football podiatrist are going to be bringing out later on in the year. But for those of you that yeah. aren't aware of Sam Turner, so Sam, just introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks, T. What Matt failed to mention was he's probably the nicest bloke in footwear at the moment. So that's probably the truth. Too kind. I'll uh, nah, I'll get some money after this. No, sorry, mate. It's not all line. We'll be fine. No, uh, as Talisha said, I'm Sam Turner. I'm a podiatrist down here in Melbourne with a touch under a decade of experience. I'm currently the head podiatrist in at Errol Street Physio, but as well as the head podiatrist at Western United in the A League for both men and women's. And at the moment, that's also taking me into. So I'm trying to remember. I into about four or five MPL clubs down here in Victoria, as well as consulting for several of the women's clubs now, which is a lot of fun. So as you can see, a lot of my time is spent talking about football boots or football medicine. So that's probably the big thing with me, as well as I'm an orthodist. So when it comes through, love talking about orthotics, but also that relationship that we can have a look at is between orthotics and boots and taking a bit of a different spin onto that area so yeah. really that's me in a little uh, a nutshell a very small nutshell but yeah 
No, it's you've got a very interesting mix of knowledge and skills. And even like the last sort of year or so when we've been talking behind the scenes and me picking your brain about all things footy boots and orthoses, it's, yeah, I think our listeners are going to get an immense amount of knowledge and information from both of you, but even looking forward with what we've got coming up between Sam and I, like I've learned so much from both of you. So very appreciative. Now, what we're probably going to start off with, because I might be projecting a little bit here, but as I said, this is not my area of expertise. That's why you both are here. Now, I know I'm not alone in that situation. So when it comes to football boots, selections and recommendations that health practitioners are making to their patients, because this time of year, we do have a lot of patients coming into the clinic that are asking for advice regarding football fit, football pathologies. And it just seems like it's an area that health practitioners drop the ball, pardon the pun, but drop the ball and maybe need to improve their knowledge and skill set in this area. So I'll throw the question to you first, Matt. Like, what do you feel as some areas where practitioners with their football boot recommendations are probably missing the mark and areas that they can improve on? Um if I try to take my my bias New Balance hat off here, um, I think a lot of it has to do with just awareness and knowledge about the space. And football is no longer some type of category that you can just think about for a few months of the year and then off you go again. It's got to be a whole col- a holistic thought process about how your Firstly, transitioning your patient from football boots into their running shoes and vice versa, because for six months of the year, they're not in football boots. And then all of a sudden, from there's no kind of transition point between when they've been running, wearing running shoes during preseason training into their football boots, I think, from and I'm talking at a grassroots level here, um, but also... Football boot tech has changed so much, even in the sort of 10 years that New Balance have been doing football boots. You look at from what Addy and Nike have been doing since the mid 70s through to Asics and Puma over the last few years. And now we've got brands like Mizuno, Under Armour, even Lotto and Deodora starting to do some good things in the football space. So there's a lot of competition kind of works in parallel with running, how running shoes have now um, come to a point where every brand is making good options. I don't believe, and this is where I've really firmly got to take my bias and you bounce hat off. I don't firmly believe that there's one brand that's outstanding anymore. And I understand fully since I used to work at athletes foot, I was there for six years before I, I worked at MB. There was one brand in particular that podiatrists referred to constantly because they were the ones providing the most information and they they were also, um, Australian developed and of course I'm I'm talking about ASICs in terms of how they had a designer here at the time who was was having heavy input and heavy design um leadership in terms of their product and their product was market leading at the time I'm talking sort of 10 15 years ago mm-hmm. but that has flowed through the podiatry world into thinking that ASICs are the best and at times they have been absolutely I'm not going to not going to um not give them credit where it's due but at the same time every other brand now has really caught up to what they're doing and i'm talking specifically from a podiatric point of view so if you look at look at our boots and i know we're going to get into the tech but our boots are now completely deep enough to fit different types of orthoses into them they're 
they're wide enough at the base of the heel that you can fit a heel lift in if you need to. And there's there's uh, abilities to have uh, different conversations around different issues for your patients. So I think the major thing for me is just for uh, practitioners to really think about upskilling themselves in this area and not learning everything, but just seeing what's out there on the market, create a relationship with a store that's close to you, the same that you would do for running shoes. Yeah, and that's a very good way to look at it. And I must admit, you're right on the money there. Like, I think if I grabbed 10 podiatrists out of my phone book and sent them a message and said, what's the number one brand that you refer for for footy boots or recommend for footy boots, it would be ASICs because they spent so much time in the space and that was where the brand awareness is. Um, but it's very good to know that there's a lot of other brands that are sort of catching up and even being able to accommodate the heel lifts and accommodate orthoses and are a little bit of a wider fit that in itself opens up so many options for practitioners so looking forward to unpacking that a little bit more but sam coming at it from a clinical perspective because i know that you very much help guide me through a couple of daft questions as far as football boot fitting and orthoses. What do you feel, hopefully we're not just talking about me here, but in general with practitioners, what do you feel are some areas that we're, we're missing the mark as well? Is it the same as what Matt feels or is there a bit of a different spin that you've got on it? Yeah, so it's, it's just a tough thing. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to rag on it ASICs but it's the big thing that again for years you're taught ASICs were for Australia the best boots on the market because they did the research they were phenomenal and that's probably the big part but we were so drummed into it that it was the only thing on the market anyone came in with the Nike and you go we're allowed to mention big name brands here aren't we I know you did it a couple of times we're not going to get sued yeah I won't get upset we're okay. Right. We're, I'm wearing okay, jumpers, so we've already okay. that. So this is the big thing. It was pure just ASICs, 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 and that's all we knew. Like, But then you'd get someone coming in with a Nike, and it was always poo-pooed. And you're going, okay, why? Like, what don't we like about this? And the person says, actually, they fit right to me. And this is the part that, as clinicians, we start to forget that players are going to start to come in with belief systems. I've worn Nikes because they're the best things for me and at Addy as well. Like I've always wanted to do this. And you mentioned, okay, can I get you into something different? They go, no, 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 no. So you've got to work within a bit of a different sphere. So just like someone who's worn the same pair of Kayano, they've worn it from version 8 to version 27,500, whatever they have at the moment. This is the, probably the big thing that we're looking at. But then as Matt said, there's so much range out there. But each brand is having to improve and get better and get better and get better. Like, again, I'd, I'd love to show, but something like I'm going to get into my fanboy stuff is the Furon that came out with the version 7. It's probably one of the best boots going around because it is slightly wider. It's incredibly light. The stud pattern great. It looks probably a little bit more aggressive for some people, but other people might like it would be someone that I would recommend for them to come back post-injury, but it would be something that I would like them to get through. Um, but that's the big thing. But then having a look at, say, clinically, there's just so many options and it's so individual. It's just like if you send someone down to the athlete's foot or the running company, you go, okay, I want you to have a Hocken 9. You go, okay, but the Hocken 9 might not be right for you, granny, 
or yeah. it might not be right for that person who's coming back with lateral ankle sprains. These are the things you go. Know, so if I told someone to go for a tiger eel straight off the bat, a football player would laugh at me and tell me to go jump. An Aussie rules player would consider it, but then I'm not actually considering the individual. And the best thing is there is so much and there's so much range, especially wide foot, high arches, people moving. So there's a huge space that we can just learn and rather than just put the blinkers on and say, it must be ASICs, it must be ASICs because they've got a 10 mil heel lift. Yep. So, yeah, just something that I think we can definitely improve on. So from what both of you have said, yeah. it seems like one of the biggest issues with health practitioners and their recommendations as far as football boots go is probably just not understanding the ranges that exist, yeah. especially across the different brands, because as Maddie said, and you've mentioned as well, Sam, that there's more and more brands that have significantly upped their game and up their tech to catch up with what were potentially the industry leaders a decade ago. Yeah, you know, marketing is so subjective in that area too. Like you look at, we look at running and brand like Nike have done an incredible job at not only marketing their brand, but marketing their athletes and marketing their products. Credit where credit's due. They're the biggest and the baddest in the entire industry. They do a terrific job of marketing their brand. Because they do that, the consumer goes, oh, well, if they market their brand so that, that well and I know about it, then their product is the best. And that that doesn't add up. Like you've seen in the last, well, last five years in Australia, New Balance has, has doubled their business. We're growing well ahead of market um, market growth at the moment, which is amazing. But we've got a long way to go in in how our product is coming to the market. But then that's also um, where I guess I focus a lot of my time, and and I imagine Talisha, a lot of the the people that that engage with P3 and and listen to your content, watch your content, will know like how hard I'm trying to get into the medical community and continue to be a source of knowledge for everyone. So I encourage that those that are listening and watching to this to to hit me up if you want to know more about MB. But um, yeah, I think the industry is in a really interesting space because football is so similar to running in terms of the way that we live in a time now where running has never been more competitive than it is now in terms of the tech that's coming out from brands. And I cannot imagine for a new podiatrist, let's say, how overwhelming that must be. There's so much to learn because I've said this to Sam before, like I could come and be in your clinic room and I've got six years of athlete's foot experience and 10 years of New Balance experience and you could be the first, you're on your very first day out of uni, your patient's going to ask us both which shoes they should get. I'll give an opinion. Their head is immediately turning to you. You've got the degree. You've got the experience. They're going to listen to you. I think it's podiatrists owe it to their patients to understand product. So yeah, 100%. From, yeah from my point of view, and that doesn't mean you have to know as much as I do in terms of product, I don't know as much about feet and biomechanical movement as you guys do, but I don't claim to. I know what I know. And then I try to impart that knowledge in turn when I come and see yourself or Sam, like I try and listen to you guys too, when you give your opinion about the shoes so that I can better myself and therefore provide a better service. So um, football is really interesting. We're taking a lot of things we're learning from running and putting them into boot structure. Again, using New Balances as an example, our football boots have become slightly wider in the toe box, particularly if I bring up the Furon here. You can even see from the shape how 
it's quite kind of skinny through the forefoot and uh, sorry, the midfoot and the heel. And then the forefoot, you've got this extra width now. So we're actually being able to get some toes play. And I know a massive complaint is that football boots don't fit like running shoes. That's, that's a very kind of prevalent complaint from a, not only a store when they're fitting people, but also from a pod. And it's simply that football boots are traditionally built on a slightly narrower last anyway, because footballers want that. Cl- and, uh, and when Sam and I both say footballers, we mean soccer players. We'll say Aussie yeah. rules players. If we mean 200 yeah. countries play one sport, one plays the other, you know, where the money's yeah. going. So um, yeah, they want close touch to the ball. They want to be close to the ground. They want to have the proprioceptive benefits of of that. And that's why I mentioned earlier about how difficult it is to transition someone from running shoes into their yes. boots. So, but yeah, as a brand, we're trying to do things that are similar to our to our running shoes and, and give the podiatrist comfort that when their patient does go into our boots, they're going to get at least a good fit and room to put a device if needed. Yeah. No. Yeah, probably. Oh, sorry, Kate. After you. Um, no, you go because I'll, yeah, you go and then I'll. I'll yeah. Win. Which is the big thing is Matt was probably talking about and probably something that I alluded. It's just not dealing with, say, that boot and having a look at the marketing and fit. When we talk about what's happening with New Balance, it's also probably something I would like to probably mention earlier, is that now with New Balance, it's probably fantastic for a female footballer, which is throwing something out there because it is narrow at the heel and wider at the front of the foot, which is more to a female foot type than anything else. So we've actually got some girls in the NPL region who have moved from a Nike, which is slightly narrower and they're getting overhang into a MB boot and we're not having these issues that's coming through. So that would be something I'll just throw in quite quickly, but we can touch on that a bit later if you want. Yeah, I'll definitely get us to unpack that once we start falling into the New Balance range. But there was um, one thing that you both mentioned right at the start which is where we're talking about some of the other brands and their marketing so this is one thing like looking at it from my perspective as far as dealing significantly more in running related injuries and dealing with athletic footwear is that yes we have our brands and then there's some people in the athletics world that they are sponsored by ASICS New Balance they run in different shoes but we don't have as much of that marketing like look this is i've got no idea about football or afl really (laughs) um so the players like running it may have that to a slight extent as far as the best of the best are wearing certain shoes but it very much seems like in the football space that the marketing and this player is wearing that shoe feeds into a lot of the consumer decisions for what boots they're going to wear. So Sam, I'll throw it to you first up. So with that in mind, because we've sort of had a little bit of a discussion about what clinicians are doing or not doing when it comes to recommending football boots. What do you feel that when we've got a client that's looking for a football boot, what do you find that they're after? Because after we sort of have a look at both sides of the spectrum with clients and health practitioners, We'll be able to hopefully identify where there's a little bit of a gap to fill in. Yeah, so it's a bit of a balancing act, and a lot of that marketing is based around performance aspects. It's like recently Adidas came out with the predator accuracy, and they said if you use this, you're going to be more accurate. You're going to hit more goals. You're going to hit more passes. And it's through there, and a player like someone who will come in and say, well, "Okay, yes, 
I've got this, so I'm wearing this Adidas, I want to have that, and they might have a metatarsal issue. And they'll say, I need to use this boot because it's going to make me feel faster. Or if I want to wear a mercurial, it's going to make me run faster. And you go, but these boots aren't necessarily fitting your foot or they're not going to work in with a bit of a treatment plan. So that's probably the big thing. I say, say someone's quite easy to get them back into a runner. Hey, let's go get you into an 880. It's going to improve on this. But in football, I want to wear this because it's going to improve my performance but it also suits my position being a winger where I need a lot, supposedly need a lighter, faster, more unstructured boot that may be causing the issue. And this is the hard thing to work through and talk to someone and saying, well, I might need to get you into what we call a more like touch or a control boot, which is slightly wider, a little bit heavier that doesn't have these supposed speed features. So lighter, and a little bit more, um, agile than say like a heavier type of boot like something like that but the funny thing is looking at this clinically what they did it was cat krieger in about 2019 or 2020 thereabouts what she did she took two very common boots worn um, out on the market and she wanted to compare the use of a traditional speed boot, so something light, a little bit more unpadded and a bit more agile, supposedly for a faster um, winger striker, um, even a good number nine, and having a look at getting the player through there, then comparing it to something a little bit more comfortable or a boot based on what the player thought was comfortable. So a little bit more padded, a little bit more cushioning, fitted the foot a little bit better. And she got them to test over a 90-minute match simulation. And the funny thing with this, and this is probably what clinicians need to take away, is over that time, at about the 70-minute mark, the speed boot started to decrease performance. The player started losing speed, started losing endurance, was reporting foot pain, wasn't making the same amount of touches, wasn't able to complete the whole simulation because their foot was hurting. Mm -hmm. However, compared to, say, another boot that was a bit more comfortable and fitted the player's foot, they could get through a 90-minute match simulation so again when we're having a look at this we've got to unpack a bit of the marketing you know you really need a speed boot is it going to make you faster the takeaway point is let's get you more comfortable let's get you into something that really fits and that's the big thing as clinicians that we need to work through we do the same thing with running shoes yep like we go just go try on a k on a lot go try on an 880 go try on a glycerin go try on this but whereas football boot go try on tigreal go to rebel and yep. there's none of that information. And that's probably what I find to be one of our largest missing pieces for podiatry is that, okay, we don't think about that. We go, oh, yeah, you've got a pair of football boots. We won't worry about it. But yep. if someone comes in with a football-based injury, it's going to be around 90%. It's going to be there with your rehab, but it should be at the forefront. These are the Swiss army knife of everything. You need a player to run you need a player to do things you need a player to be able to do all these parts and if we're just telling him to go to rebel <laughs> to get that sure. we're doing we're doing an absolute disservice yep. to our player and going okay well what's wider what's going to fit your foot tight like you could already wheel off five different shoe recommendations for someone with plantar fasciopathy yes but i'd say let's give one boot recommendation and it would be okay. Oh, you, you might go back to. I know we're harping on ASICs and we'll, we'll stop beating up on them, but 
you'd go, okay, what the one, the leather one? And you go, okay, which one's that? Oh, it's got a 10 mil heel lift. They've all got a 10 mil heel lift besides the old Trezor or the DS slide. So that, so going back to that, so it's a comfort thing, but as well as we need to have that recommendation. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, it's already becoming very, very apparent that there is a significant gap between what consumers A, want and B, need and the health practitioner's knowledge base in order to help them make the best informed decisions. So Matt, do you have anything to add to that? Like from your experience with working at the athlete's foot and then now in the tech rep space, and then also dealing with clueless clinicians like myself, um, what do you find, yeah, clients are after more so, and then also where us as health clinicians are probably not allowing our clients to have their needs met when they're seeking some advice for footy boot selection? Uh, I think recommending for football boots is substantially different to referring for running shoes. Mm -hmm. One, we've established that the knowledge aspect is, is different because we've dealt with running shoes for so much longer. The advice around football boots is only becoming a bit more apparent in recent memory and then number two the the person who's going to get running shoes and you're recommending them running shoes they're going to be so much more moldable to what you're recommending if they've been a brooks wearer their whole life or a new balance wearer their whole life and you suggest a Saucony guide more often than not, they will go and try a Saucony guide and they'll see if that fits and they'll see if it works for them and they'll they'll listen to your recommendation there. Yes. However, with football and to Sam's point about the boots that players like to wear, if we're looking at a grassroots rugby league player, Aussie rules player, footballer, more often than not, it's what, two hour and a half training sessions a week and then two hours of a match there and thereabouts on a, on a Saturday afternoon. So they're spending six to seven hours a week in those boots. I think sometimes from a branding point of view, we can get a bit caught up in how much the product's going to affect their feet at the same time. And mm. I think sometimes when it comes to a clinical aspect, kind of controlling what you can control is the is the easiest form in enabling a treatment plan that's going to get followed by the patient. You'd hope that a patient who's paying all that money to come and see you and get your expertise will follow 100% of the treatment plan. But I think you're all smart, smart enough to understand that the patient isn't following 100% of the treatment plan. Expectation-based so, reality, yes. Correct. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. for the majority of their week, they're in the running shoes that you've prescribed them. They're wearing their orthoses if they have them. They're doing their calf stretches or whatever it may be, their exercises around their injury. If for seven hours of the week when they're wearing their football boots, they're not in exactly the boot that you recommend, I think that's where a clinician can use their skill set to potentially adapt the boot if they need be. Maybe there's an ability like with, I use the 442 as an example. For those who are much smarter than I am, you, there's been examples of elite athletes like Luke Hodge is one that comes to previous memory. He, he wore um, Puma boots when he was playing in the AFL. And he would have a heel wedge put into the bottom of his boots so that he could elevate and shorten his Achilles. Um, yeah. So there's there's options for things like that where you can separate the upper from the outsole and put a foam wedge in there 
um, yeah, like Sam, yeah, you hold that up. Like Sam's made adjustments to the Achilles to remove pressure and things like that. So I think, yeah, it comes, it comes back to be being adaptable as a clinician because marketing plays a huge role in football football. uh, If I can speak on the marketing aspect for a second, football is moving into the space of lifestyle. Now, when we post an image on social of a new 550, for example, and we're like, it's dropping in two days at 10 o'clock on, on Saturday or Sunday, whatever it may be. Um, get in while it's quick because you're going to miss out. The person scrolling Instagram is just like, oh, I've already got two colors in the 550, but that color's sick. So, yeah, I'm going to buy them. And they'll jump in line and they'll get it. Football's becoming the same. Like we've got, so we dropped um, this colorway here of the Tekela comes from the Dizzy Heights pack, which we dropped at the start of January. Um We've got the rare force pack dropping on Monday, um, which yeah. is all white. Sam, you've got the samples there. If you want to bring them yeah. up on the screen, um, yeah, yeah. So we've got that, which is really cool. So it's a completely different colorway. So we're now seeing that's only two months after we dropped the first pack. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to market that, and then someone who potentially bought these in January is going to go, "Oh, all white. Well, that's yeah. sick. I can't go past that." And then we'll drop their money again on on a secondary pair, but. That would be it's, me. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, and we do it with running yeah. too. We're seeing it with super shoes. Like we'll bring out yeah. a super comp elite in white. In a couple of months, we've got another color coming out. And a lot of the people who run in those styles of shoes, we're like magpies. We want all the nice shiny stuff and um, yeah. want to collect it all. And so when you're invested <laughs> in your sport, you're also invested in your body. So you're going to go and see your podiatrist, your physio, your, your exercise physiologist. You're hopefully going to listen to what they say to help you fix whatever ailment you have but then also you're going to spend money on your product and we look at a business like um like ultra football that um or even sbt football down here in melbourne um their average selling price is far higher than say an athlete's foot or a rebel would be when it comes to boots because they offer a holistic experience but also their customers are buying pro level boots mm-hmm. they're buying they're buying the premium 320 dollars furon as opposed to the 160 dollars mid-tier or whatever it may be so um yeah i think sometimes uh from my side of things as well when when i used to be um, selling product all the time, but now when I'm dealing with podiatrists a lot more, um, I think we can get caught up in the patient being in the perfect shoe. Like I think sometimes we just need to ask ourselves, is it good enough? Is it reasonable? Is it, is it acceptable for them to be in that product? If it's not, then obviously you've got to put steps in place with that patient and reinforce what they should be doing. But sometimes I think we can get it in our head going, yeah, it has to be this boot or it has to be this running shoe. Where in reality, in running, like you pick the 880, like eight other brands make a shoe similar to the 880 that will do similar things from a fit and function point of view. Obviously, the 880 is the best option of all of those. But like then you've got with football, that's where it comes back to my earlier point I said about creating a relationship with a local store. And you might not be in Melbourne or in Sydney where there's an ultra football or an SPT football, but you yeah. might be in Perth where there's onside sports, or you might be um, in Adelaide where you've got the Zorich group of sports powers that are really good at football. Um, even Rebel, I know it's kind of a little bit of a running joke through through podiatry about how rebel isn't the most prominent place if you want technical information they are absolutely um 
busting themselves to improve their training throughout the entire network. I'm obviously closely involved in that from my training side of my role. And I know the training managers at Rebel really well. They're really upping their game to upskill their staff, which is amazing. It's fantastic. Most of their stores now have the home of football. So you've got range within their stores as well. So, and they're now training people to specifically work in that area. So they're not just going to go over to running and then into apparel and then into exercise. They're going to be purely in that football space. So um, like if you go into their RCX stores, their rebel customer experience stores, I know there's one in Rundle Mall in Adelaide and um, there's a couple here in Melbourne, a few in Sydney. They're, really focused on bringing experience to the customer, but also bringing that knowledge. So I think in this country, we are just so blessed with the amount of accounts and stores that we can go to as a, as a consumer to get product. And if you're not getting knowledge from one store, more often than not, a couple of days away, even in the same shopping center, more often, um, you've got another store you can go to, to get that knowledge. And then obviously you've got the amount of wealth of knowledge, like places like P3, and that football podiatrist where you can get further knowledge from as well to help you as a consumer make your uh, make your mind up and make a decision on something that'll be good for you. Oh, yeah. thank you for the kudos. So we do try and create yeah, educational content for our listeners. And I do want to talk to that point. So I agree with you. We do throw a lot of shade on some of the footwear retailers for or where the health professionals. I think in when it comes to running shoes, quite often yes some of that shade can be justifiable however when it comes to the football space because it is such an immense knowledge gap that health practitioners across the board have it is a little bit of a do we actually have a right to throw shade when it's something that it certainly isn't in most of our knowledge wheelhouses so um it's a very good point and I very much agree with it. One of the best things that we can do as clinicians is it's, yes, we should be improving our knowledge and have an understanding of the ranges that exist out there, but it's also building those relationships. So if we don't know, at the very, very least, we know where we can send someone where they do know what's happening. But in speaking to that, we do want our practitioners to have a better understanding of the football ranges and so our patients do hopefully listen to what we're saying so in that i do want to have a little bit have a better understanding of the football boot ranges so i'll throw it to matt and matt and sam if you can both talk to educating us um yeah just give us a little bit of a rundown on what football boots exist in the new balance range and probably like the differences especially what you were talking to matt about how the football boots have evolved and it's a little bit of a wider forefoot so essentially the core range and then what are some of the elements that create that point of difference where we may be recommending them as health practitioners sure i'm absolutely happy to do that i've got all my samples here with me one thing i just wanted to add about the um, referral and the stores that we're sending people to as a practitioner you don't talk the same way to every single patient in terms of level of detail. There are some patients you see who can take in this much to what you say to them. And there are patients who can take in this much. It's the same when I'm doing training. There are some stores where I can only say this much because it all goes over their head or there's stores like the running company where I can, they'll know more than I do. And I can talk the hind legs off a donkey in that store and everything sinks in. And so I think when it comes to referring a patient, 
draw a chart of all the stores you see and have that patient here and draw the squiggly line down to the store that equals their knowledge level. Because if you send someone who's, yeah, who in a clinic, you can only tell this much to, you're not sending them to the running company for running shoes because they're going to get overwhelmed and it's going to be a really, um, yeah, really scary process. They might be the person who's correct to go into Rebel, but also that falls back on you as a practitioner to go into Rebel when you've got some time and actually just shake hands with the staff who work on the floor. Like go in and meet them. Go in and say hello. Go into the local athlete's foot. Go into the local Rebel Inner Sport, Sports Power, Running Company, Active Feet, Pace Athletic, whatever store it is. Go in and say hello. Make sure they know you because then when they send their patients in, the amount of errors that could happen are far reduced because they feel more confident because they know you. And so therefore you can go in and do that. So that's, yeah. that's, I'll get off my um, soapbox now, but um, <laughs> all right, football. Um, yeah. So we have, we have three boots. We have um, the Tekela version four. Mm-hmm. We have the Furon version seven and we have the 442 version two. Um, New Balance began in football in the late 80s. We partnered with a, a gentleman by the name of Brian Robson, who was captain of Manchester United and vice captain of England at the time. And we made very heavy, very leather football boots. Um, at the time, Nike and Addy were doing very big things in football and we kind of got suffocated out of the market. So we left football alone for a while. And then in the last 10 years, we've come back with a bit of a bang. For those of you in the know, um, we own a brand called Warrior, which started off in the US as a lacrosse and ice hockey brand. And that's who we launched football through. Um, We sponsored Liverpool early days um, using that Warrior branding and we made football boots. We had boots like the Screamer. Um, We had boots, we had the Screamer, the Gambler and the Superheat. And they were, they were, okay for those of you who know those boots will have your harsh opinions on them no doubt but um yeah in the last four years we've restructured our global football team in the uk and since we've done that our boots have become immeasurably better we have some very good people working for us in the uk so um we are also involving our athletes very heavily in this space so we sponsor players like sadio mane um african footballer of the year three times golden boot winner in the premier league champions league winner premier league winner with liverpool now plays for bayern munich in germany uh raheem sterling vice captain of england and now at chelsea um and then We've got some really exciting up and coming talent too, like Harvey Elliott at Liverpool uh, and my man, Bakaya Saka at Arsenal, who scored yesterday against Everton. So um, yeah, we've got some exciting up and coming talent. We also have some great Australian talent as well. Emma Checker, captain of Melbourne city, Dylan Wenzel Halls um, at, at Central Coast Mariners now, um, Charlie rule at Sydney FC as well. And the women's there. Um, but from a, full-on tech point of view i think we've done a great job in bringing what we have learned in in running through to football so i'll start with um the tekela so the tekela is what sam was speaking of before as being that more control boot that more deeply fitting boot a little bit heavier uh, with a bit more security in saying that uh, i know a lot of you watching this will be up jumping up and down about the uh about the laceless factor of this and yes i fully believe the laceless fad and i'll call it a fad is dead all brands are starting to transition back to full laces now and and i think that from a podiatric point of view laces are entirely necessary 
simply because of the lockdown they provide, the security and the fit. Mm-hmm. With a boot like this, if your foot fits perfectly into it, fantastic, great. But if for whatever reason your midfoot doesn't fit in here, and it's you're going to move around a lot. And so in the middle of the year when our Women's World Cup pack comes out, it's called Own Now. It's beautiful silver and bronze and uh, really, really cool. Um, we are bringing out a Tekela Low, and that's going to be laced. It's also going to have a full fuel cell midsole in it. So it's not going to be overly thick, but you'll have some fuel cell cushioning that's come from our running shoes into our boots. So our uppers in our football boots are actually a version of Hyperknit, which you'll find in our running shoes, So, um, which is our three-layered um, mesh construction in our running shoes. We've caught it out here on the side of the boot. You can see the Hyperknit name. It's probably backwards through my camera, but... Um, the idea being that you've got a full heat welded layer that your foot's going to touch. So we're hoping that the chances of blistering and, and therefore getting rubbing and friction from a new pair of football boots, hopefully those days are gone, if not uh, looking at them, at least in the rear view mirror. Um, the middle layer does have polyester through it. I must preface that all of this is on a much thinner scale than what is going on in our running shoes. But by having polyester, a man-made fiber that's moisture wicking, we're helping to draw the moisture out of our boots so that the player um, has less chance of blistering, but also uh, has less chance of odor buildup within the shoe, less chance of moisture buildup too. So bacteria isn't as prevalent. Um, we all know that not everybody takes their football boots back out of their bag once they've come home from a game or a training. And so the bacteria buildup can be quite gross. At least our boots help to get some of that moisture out, right? So they'll still stay smelling beautiful and pristine. Um, and then the top layer, this is a thermoplastic wrap over the top of the boot, but it does have a bit of a bit of a stretchy element. You can see it's very pliable uh, and I'll use... Uh, I can quote Michael Nitschke, it's very compliant as well. So it's going to <laughs> it's going to move with the foot really nicely. You can see that the color as well has a nice wide forefoot. So at least if you are getting into this boot, there is room for your toes to move. You're not going to sit too too hugged and structured within there. Um the the heel counter, you can see how deep that is. Like there's so much space if I open up the heel here and try and show you in the back. See, the calcaneus is going to sit really deeply. And you can see that this green ridging on the inside, that's memory foam. So that sits in there around the Achilles, which is going to help to lock the foot down in the rear of the boot and why it makes our boots uh, our boots are suitable for a di- for different um, types of orthoses to be in here because they'll sit nice and deep. The inner sole can be removed. You can pop your uh, orthotic in there and the rear of the boot will hug and lock you down. The other cool thing about our boots, and this is the same in the Furon that I'll show you in a second, um, I know there'll be a lot watching this who play video games and if they don't, maybe they've got kids that do, but this boot has the same technology and I've, because I've got them behind me, I'll show you, has the same technology in it as a PS5 controller and that is called haptic feedback technology. So on a PS5 controller, when you're playing FIFA or a driving game or something where you've got to involve, um, yeah, like some movement, in the PS5 controller, when your player gets tired and you go to push sprint in at the back on the R2 button, that actually gets harder to push in. And so it forces the, you to to stop doing that so the player can recover. So you're getting that instant feedback, oh, my player's tired, I can't push the button in. Whereas 
in the football boots, obviously that's it's not quite the same. But the the haptic feedback is all about the res- instantaneous response. And what we've done that is with the elastic polymer that's in the uh, in the ankle closure on the boot. So I can open this as wide as I possibly can to get a foot into here. But yep. then when you've got your foot in there, it snaps back in around. So it's going to do that every single time it comes back in. The feedback from our athletes has been that this does not stretch. It comes back into shape every single time and won't get sloppy. So, um, yeah, we've transitioned that. And when I tell that to the the 19, 20-year-old guys who work on the floor at Ultra like or at Rebel, they just lose their minds. How does New Balance have technology that's in PlayStation controllers? That's awesome. So, um, yeah, just a little, little cool thing there. Also on the side of the boot, you see these almost like bear scratches down the side yep. of the boot? So this is 3D printing that has been data-driven. So we've had a look at torsional movement through football boots and how a player is pivoting and changing direction laterally. And so this is elasticated. And as as you turn laterally, the boot will actually move a little bit. The upper will move and help you, allow you to turn so the boot doesn't get caught when you're changing direction. Because that is definitely one of the causative factors for our non-contact ACL injury. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're trying to help in a small way. It's something that I'm definitely not going to say it's going to stop ACL injuries, but hopefully with a bit more ease of movement within your footwear, that yep. will help to lessen the chance of that happening. Something else that will help to lessen the chance of that happening is the stud configuration on the sole of the boot. So the soles of our boots are nylon which means they're quite sturdy and they're structured through the midfoot, but they're flexible in the forefoot. So you're going to get really nice toe off and propulsion on the Tekela. It has really typical conical studs. So these are circular. You can see through here, we've tried to avoid having one right under the sesamoids as well. Sometimes either of these might need to be filed down or, or, or ground down just to provide a bit of relief for a patient. But you can see in the forefoot, those circular studs are going to help the person yeah. to change direction and, cha- and move laterally. You've then got these studs in the rear foot, which we ha- say have little teeth on the bottom here. They're going to help to provide grip as you're landing and provide a platform for you to push off. But then also on the Tekela, it's not easy to see, but see how it's got these little teeth studs on the side? Oh, so yep. no, other, no other brand is doing this at the moment. You can see them uh, here. Yes. I can aim my fingers right when I'm looking in the camera. Um, those little teeth studs provide you better traction and grip when you're moving laterally. So if you're going to land on a slightly different angle or change direction really quickly, or if you're like me, you've fired off a handball and it's been caught by the opposition, so you've got to hightail it back the other way down the ground, um, you're going to have to turn around really quickly. So those little studs on the side will help you to do that. Um, The second boot is the Furon. The Furon uh, through football, especially at the moment, is our highest selling boot. So I should mention too, the Tekela, we compare... um, pretty evenly with the phantom from nike um the uh future from puma and the predator from addy whereas with the furon mercurial vapor from nike the ultra from puma the x from addy the alpha from mizuno um that lightweight speed category so if we start from the bottom up with this one on the sole of the furon you've got these chevron shaped studs these are more for acceleration and deceleration so Mm -hmm. you're getting um that propulsive elements still but you're getting grip when you're sprinting to braking to then sprinting again and you're running more so in straight lines that's what the i guess the essential product will tell you however 
my opinion in stud configuration is just purely up to you and what feels good under your foot. Um, you'll also love, we've got this sticker on, on the sole plate here. It says, the metallic finish is subject to wear, but the boot will still perform to the best of your abilities. Because <laughs> there was a, uh, I believe there was a, um, a case in the US where uh, there was a chrome finish on the bottom of the boot and a, and a person tried to sue the boot, that particular boot manufacturer because all the chrome wore off. So we now have to put this, we have to put this idiot proof sticker on the bottom just so that no one gets in trouble yeah. now. But um, yeah, you can see you've got a bit more structure through the rear of the boot here. So this is kind of taking inspiration from running spikes as well and the mm -hmm. shape that they are in that sort of more curved glass shape rather than straight. Yeah. Um, the Furon is a little more low profile through the upper, but it has a very broad forefoot. You can see how much that shape splays in the forefoot to allow your toes out. Um, it's really soft through the forefoot. So you've got plenty of protection for when you're kicking the ball, but then also you're able to still have good touch on the ball. And this is a really great boot for either a, a footballer or someone playing Aussie rules because you've got the protection of the asymmetrical lacing too. So you get a really nice smooth platform to kick the boot. On the asymmetrical lacing, there is, if you can see here, a bit of an exoskeleton. So this yeah. is sewn in right at the base here. When you do up the laces, the whole upper pulls over and locks the top of your foot down. So you're getting great support through the top of the boot. And then rear foot, you've got that haptic technology that I talked about. So you can open that up and see how wide the boot opens. And then in the rear foot, you can see how much memory foam is through the back there that allows your foot to sit deeply within it. And if you do need an orthotic in there, you're going to get one in. So really good, I think, technical decisions we've made around our product and how our boots are going to fit and feel uh, on your patient. So that's the Furon. And then finally, we have um, the 442 Pro. So the 442 Pro um, has been our number one selling boot um, through Rebel, Intersport and Sports Power over the last two months. It is your classic, timeless, traditional uh, football boot, let's call yeah. it quite straight lasted for a football boot too. And you can see it's just got the nice traditional conical studs all over evenly spaced. So you can make sure that, um, yeah, if your, your patient's got torsional issues or they need just something that's going to allow them to move really freely, then, um, yeah, we've got the, the, the sole plate for them to do that. It's nylon as well. So sturdy through the midfoot, flexible in the forefoot. The difference with the 442 compared to the two I've just shown you is they're both a synthetic, thermoplastic upper in the 442 pro this is kangaroo leather through the toe box and then calf leather through the the rest of the boot so you're getting that soft plushness of leather and i will preface that the disclaimer here is that kangaroo leather is no longer the quintessential better upper choice than synthetic synthetic uppers have come in my opinion almost past or they have come past kangaroo leather in terms of performance wear fit all yep. that kind of stuff. It literally just comes down to what you feel comfortable in. If you prefer leather, buy leather. Like just yep. do that. If you have ethical issues against leather, then there are options out there for you where you don't have to worry about that. If you just prefer the feeling of synthetic, buy synthetic. It's that, it's that simple. Yep. Um, with the 442 as well, it's a nice straight um, a straight upper as well with a bit of flare in the forefoot not as much as if you're on but it's going to fit you in and, and hug you down but then the memory foam pods um, in the rear foot I'll just get the laces out of the way here um, they're a little more grippy than in the other two boots so you can see how they've got these almost golf ball indentations on the 
on the rear foot. Okay. Um, so they're going to lock you down. There's space for a device to go in there as well. I will also mention um, that in the 442 team and the 442 Academy, which is kind of tier two and tier three that sit underneath this, we offer two e-fits in both of those. Yeah. So we're one of the only brands that are doing fits on the market. I will, again, disclaimer, it's just the upper that's wider. We haven't yet got to the volume of us doing football boots where we can also do the sole plate. Because remember, in running, our D fit, 2E fit, and 4E fit in men's, for example, it's got a D midsole with a D upper, 2E with 2E, 4E with 4E. So we will get to that in football. But also, just so people can understand from a marketing point of view, we have chosen to come into football at a later stage than our competitors. Obviously, Nike, Addy, Asics, Puma have been doing football for a long, 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 long time. If we come in and do wits straight off the top, where does that leave us? As the wide brand. And we don't get the cut through into the rest of the industry. So that's why we've made a, a strategic business decision to just do standard fits to begin with in football. Um, some other things I can tell you is that with our female athletes, we've been yeah. um, we've been really focused on um, gathering information from them about what they want out of football boots. And at the moment, none of them are unhappy with the fit that they're getting. But I think it's out of principle we need to make effort as a brand to be totally and utterly inclusive so that if there is a female footballer who wants to wear a female built boot on a female shape last, then we're able to do that. But also we're doing things like with the Furon, we stock this in this country down to a five US men's, which equates to a six women's. So we've got that that fit scope to be able to, to put more um, small people with smaller feet, not just women, uh, into our boots too. So, yeah, that's our range at the moment of of, of boots that we have. Well, thank you for that. It's yeah. I, I do have a couple of questions that both of you can probably answer because I and this again plays to my ignorance. But the first thing I will ask is, this is coming from running footwear land, is what's the offset of the different boots? Oh, yeah, good. That's a very good question. ASICS is the only brand that make have, that has an offset. So we're just sitting at zero? Everything's flat. Zero. Us, Everything's Nike, Puma, Adidas, Under Armour, Mizuno, Lotto, Deodora, all flat. Yeah. And the reason okay. for that is from a proprioceptive point of view. Yep, that makes sense. Footballers, soccer players don't want a heel lift. They want to feel as close to the ground as they possibly can. Because football, unlike Aussie rules, is you're constantly moving. So whether you're – if you have the ball and you're making a sprinting run forward to get onto a pass or you're chasing someone back trying to make a tackle or your team doesn't have possession and you're just gently running in formation mm – -hmm. You need to be ready to sprint at all times. And so yeah. soccer players prefer that ability to be closer to the ground, like a running spike, more or less. Whereas Aussie rules players, ASICs did a great job of doing that 10 mil heel lift because it shortens the Achilles, shortens the calf, protects the feet a little more. And there are periods of standing around. So it helps your muscles to, I guess, um, not constrict as quickly or have as much room to do that. Oh, sorry, there's more room for the um to constrict if the boot is flat. Um, and so yeah, they're the only brand that do a heel lift. Sam, uh, yeah, which, you want to add anything yeah, to that? Yeah, which is quite interesting because ASICs have come with a checkbook for the A League and they're really wanting to move into a football or a soccer market. So you might notice if you follow the A League, there's a former soccer Josh Ridson, 
is now in ASICs. There's Nikolai Kopor's family, and they're doing a big thing, and they're trying to bridge the gap bet- between Aussie rules and football because traditionally here in Australia, ASICs have always been seen to be an Aussie rules boot. Like if you walk onto a soccer pitch, you're either going to get heckled or you're going to have your shins tacked in for wearing ASICs, <laughs> um, which is a big thing. But we're starting to see this a lot more with the A-League and they're coming through with a lot of money and starting to get athletes starting to wear boots. You might even notice that um, some of the designs are becoming a little bit more football related. So the new Menace is a little bit more football related. Even the new Kiguro um, type of design has a little bit more of a football bench. Um, but again, they're about to release the old Trezor, which is a five mil drop. So halfway between zero drop, zero offset and 10 mil offset as a bit of a conduit between the two. Um, and that's a big thing. But a little thing was, was it David Beckham? What was it? Preston North End used to wear assets before he was in um, the Preds, which is an interesting thing. So they're starting to bring that back and that little historical tidbit which is a big thing. I, yeah, and if I can if I can add to that, I think it's what makes the world of football boots quite interesting because yeah. like in running, when a brand does something, every other brand goes, "Oh, we better do the same thing," right? And they and innovation sometimes can get a little bit lost because brands are worried that if they don't do the same thing, like Maximal Cushion Shoes is a prime example. So's Carbon. Like every brand's gone, <laughs> we need to do both those things because we're going to get left behind. You know, who says they're going to left behind? Like, you just got to do it though, right? And so credit to ASICs because they've gone out on on a limb here and done a 10 mil heel drop that was very successful, particularly in this country and New Zealand over the last 20 years because they stuck to their guns, they've done their own thing and they've done things differently. Um, In saying that, like, they are now aware that they're trying to make waves into the football space, let's call it, in soccer by making adjustments to their already successful range so then you've got brands like us which are totally driven out and also it helps they're being more driven from their football production out of japan now mm-hmm. where you've got brands like mizuno doing are in japan as well our football production even though we're a very boston very american company mm-hmm. all our football production is driven out of manchester in england mm-hmm. and so it's right at the heartbeat of football where um yeah football is most prevalent the premier league's biggest league in the world and so that's where our focus lies. I know uh, as Australians, we'd like to think that big brands are focusing on Aussie rules and rugby league and things like that. But as I said before, 200 countries there or thereabouts play soccer and it's their major sport and it's what they care about. One country plays Aussie rules. So it's, it's you've got to understand as a practitioner, that's where the brand's investment is going to go. Yeah, that makes good sense. And I think I just want to talk to a point that both of you mentioned right at the very, very start, as far as the issue that arises when we've got clinicians, well, we've got our patients that they've spent all of the off season, potentially in running shoes or at the beach drinking beer, but whatever they're doing in the off season, and then they're going into the football booth. So if they're in our traditional running shoes, where we're often sitting at our sort of eight mil offset on average so they're, if they're sitting in an eight mil offset and doing steady state running and then all of a sudden they're jumping into a football boot that might be a zero offset and yeah. then they're doing higher volume higher intensity yeah. sprint work that's where we can potentially see a lot of those achilles issues really really firing up so i think that's an important consideration for clinicians 
when they're making their footwear referrals, and correct me if I'm wrong, that for some, it may make sense that if we're making recommendations of different football, football boots outside of, say, the ASICs that have a 10 mil offset, that it may make sense in that transition phase to A, do a progressive loading program, and B, we may be needing to utilise some heel lifts to transition into that zero drop. Yeah. yeah well that, uh, you go to yeah, that, that's something that I've had a look with and a couple of local football clubs have done. Um, yeah, is that they have started to put that hill, 10 mil hill lift in to prevent that and that progressive component. Like a lot we'll find is footy pre-season starts the wrong side of December. It's incredibly long. Then they come back and in January and they can't use the football ground or if they're allowed on the football ground, they're not allowed to use football boots because it's cricket season. Then all of a sudden it's halfway through February, start of March, you're allowed on the ground. Here you go. Here's your boots. We've got practice matches in two weeks. You got two weeks really to get used to being in a boot whilst you've been in running that whole time. And it's, yeah, it's pretty like, I would agree. Like, yeah, some, clubs I've actually used is let's have a look at putting in a heel lift for, for our players who are at high risk of Achilles injuries. Um, if we can try and catch some of them, like some people have amazing calf injuries and amazing capacity and we'll go, yeah, you should be fine. If it happens, we can look after it. But um, yeah, I've, we've started to do this prophylactically, but then we have to have a work at transitioning the player out of that heel raise, especially yeah. in the soccer sphere. Um, it's probably a little bit easier in football rather than Aussie rules because you have a specific pitch for football. And that's the big thing. Whereas Aussie rules is you're sharing it with cricket, you're sharing it with a local tri club. Um, whereas the cosplayers who shit people over the head and dress up, like they're all sharing this oval and they're not allowed on it. And that time is maybe two weeks between runners to boots. It's just not enough time. Yeah, that's and we're like ideally we probably should have had this um, chat a couple of weeks ago before in what it sounds like is the prime time for that transition window of going into runners, going into footy boots, and so like getting out my crystal ball. So within the next probably month to six weeks, clinicians will probably see somewhat of an influx of an irritated Achilles from transitioning into footy boots and more explosive movements. So heel lifts, that's probably a good weird place to start. Yeah. Now, I did want to just, before we wrap up, because I'm really enjoying all the tech side. So there are a couple of things that both of you mentioned that, so I've asked the daft question about heel offset and you've both answered that very well. So thank you. Now you were both mentioning, and Sam, I know we've spoken about this previously, where we're talking about the difference in the stud configuration and even the shapes of them. So how much of that does matter? And is it something that we should be considering? Or are there other elements that are probably a bit more important for us? Yeah, it's like, it's a bit of a longish question and to put it through it does matter like it's what we deem to be traction comes from that interface between our stud and the ground and the ability to release the stud and be able to continue on and for some players especially with a history of ACL or 
populations that are slightly higher, it has a huge bearing because what we'll find is we don't want players to be able to get stuck in a non-contact incident, get stuck, and then we get that pivot and shift movement, and there you go, that's 12 months later. Yep. So it is probably a larger thing. And again, it's an individual thing, as Matt said. It's going to be how someone feels confident in the boot and that stud configuration to be able to move around, to be able to plant the foot, to be able to get the studs in deep enough, then to be able to release those studs um, quite well. And this is probably more important in, say, to bring on a more of a an agendered type thing where it's probably more going to be more suitable for females. And that's probably something that I'll touch on is that stud configuration is incredibly important. That if it's too deep, we'll not be able to get our stud into the ground or even that shape, say, going first, say, a chevron as opposed to a circular stud. So that's going to be um, something that I would start to consider with people in that group. So where you need to be able to get stud into the ground, be able to release it, and now to keep on moving. So for, say, a female population, we might look at, say, a shorter stud or something a little bit more clinical than, say, our more aggressive chevron, which does increase our rotational traction on the ground. And that can be taken to anyone returning from injury. So at the moment, there's a Melbourne footballer who reached out who's coming back from a Liz Frank injury. And we're going, okay, let's have a look at what we can do. And he said, oh, I want to wear my boots similar to this. And you're going, well, that's metal onto hard ground. And that's going to be probably the big thing. So we're looking at, okay, do we bring you back into something that's a little bit shorter, a little bit more conical, more surface area underneath? So essentially, we've got him in a pair of career savers. If you don't, do you know those ones, Matty? Yeah. Yeah, no, sure. Uh, and that's what we're having a look at, and we're starting to transition and work his way through. So, long way of saying it does matter, but it's an individual preference and it depends on where the person is. Are they injured? Are they uninjured? Yeah. If it's just your eye kicking around, I want them to be comfortable and I want it to be feel right for me. And that's probably the most important part. So, a long way of getting to it, but yes, it does matter. That's, um, Matt, what's your opinion on that like is there a difference in what the different types of studs do like like um i'm, I'm just glad that i let sam go first because i'm <laughs> i was going to answer that it doesn't matter i was going to answer that straight away but after listening to sam and i've taken on some new information that i wasn't aware of i've changed my opinion so um i think we live in a world where everyone's just like no i think this or i think this where it's i think it's just important to take stock for a second learn something and then and then move forward um on an individual point of view, I've never bought a pair of boots before based on, like I've played footy and soccer for 20 years. I've never bought a boot based on the stud configuration. I've, my first preference has always been fit. Um, but in saying that, I can understand that when you're talking to a patient base who is ultimately injured, that's why they're in your clinic, um, then it can be very important. What I think is also important to factor in is the type of surface they're playing on. Mm -hmm. So that might be, to Sam's point, it might be a really dry regional footy ground that's had no water for six months and is rock hard. You're not going to want to go for a hugely long conical stud. You might want to go for something that is a bit shorter. Maybe you want to go for a turf option because there's there's lots of, um yeah, like turf boots out there on the market. Now, you might be playing... 
I don't know. You might be playing a lot of soccer clubs these days have artificial pitches. So you'd be yeah. playing on an artificial pitch. Like your ground at home might be a grass, but then six teams that you've got to play away that season might be on artificial. If you play with a Chevron stud configuration on an artificial pitch, you are going to burn up your feet, your soles of your feet, something chronic. <laughs> And so, and, uh, and I unfortunately don't have a, a boot with an artificial mm-hmm. stud configuration on it, but they're very short um, and they're circular and there's many yeah. of them. And so it just helps with turning. So the boot's not grabbing as much in an artificial surface because yeah. you've got to think the nylon based yeah. boot sole yeah. against the rubber based or artificial based grass, they grab yeah. at each other and cause friction. So you want to make sure that you've got circular shaped studs on an artificial yeah. pitch so that it can move and you can turn and not not get injuries in that manner. So um, yeah, upon listening to Sam and then thinking it through on my own, yes, stud pattern does matter as equally as matching that to the surface yeah. Yeah. that your patient is playing on. Yeah. There's going to be, well, Sam, we've got our project that we're working on and we might bring Maddie into the mix actually now that I'm thinking yeah. on the fly with how much knowledge you both have. Mm. So there's definitely a lot that obviously goes into say stud selection, matching that with the turf, matching that with the patient, matching that with potential injury history. But would you say that probably from the clueless clinician's perspective, i.e. me, um, when it comes to, this is sort of circling back to when we're making our footwear recommendations and referring to specialty stores or retailers that stock these shoes, would it be probably more practicable for clinicians who aren't as well-versed and don't have as much knowledge as both of you obviously do, that it may not be making recommendations to the patient or where we're referring them for their stud configuration, but it might be important to explore the surfaces that they'll be running on and providing that information as part of your referral? Ooh, yeah, it, it will have a a big thing but yeah definitely you wouldn't be referring someone off and say you need to go get a pair of sg um unless you're playing elite levels so what i mean by soft ground mm-hmm. can you see those metal studs mm-hmm. you wouldn't be referring off to those in a very rare circumstance like it's dry enough here in melbourne that i think like most of the boys won't use them but it can happen so the other part is we're going to have to deal with cost which is the hard thing when referring and that's probably the hardest part most people will be happy to go out and get two pairs of runners and have just your basic low level i'm doing long k's in this i might wear them in clinic but then i'll go for something a bit faster and snappier whereas if you go talk to say a junior player parents are paying for it there you go I, i want you to go get say a pair if you're on C7 or I want you to get the Dizzy Heights package in an AG stud pattern, so playing on turf, but they're also playing on firm ground. Really, I, you want someone to have both these studs, but you're looking at it, you're going up to nearly $640 for two pairs of boots, whereas a mother or a father or a parent would say, well, you can get one pair of studs. You can get one pair of boots. Yep. And we're so not that- paying $300 for it. If I can jump in there, Sam, like, yeah, you you do get people who will go in and maybe they're playing like MPL level in in football. They're happy. They'll go out. They'll get their two pairs of boots. They'll do exactly what their pod said, all that kind of stuff. But I think budget 
consideration has to be taken into it because when you consider that someone who's injured, maybe they are bringing their child to come and see you for the first time, but their issue is such that they need three or four follow-up visits. They potentially need orthotics. Then they've got to go out. The boots they're wearing currently are not right for those orthotics or they're not right for their feet. There's so many associated costs. And I think majority of podiatrists, I'd be fair to say, are aware of those limitations sometimes on their patients or um, budgetary uh, limitations, I should say. So that's where it comes down to, I think creating that relationship with the store that you are sending a patient to, because then you don't have to rely on digging deep into the bag of knowledge to try and remember where did I see oh that brand that has the stud pattern that would work. I can't remember it. You can say, yeah, look, if you go and see um, Talisha at football boots or us, she's going to help you out. And yeah. And, and be able to, to sort you out with a good pair of boots. You just need here, take this, this referral. This is what I think you need. You, you're playing on turf. You're playing on, uh, so you're playing on artificial turf. You're playing on grass that's short and the ground's hard. Get her to help you find a pair of boots that suits that. And so I've got the 442 in my hand for something that's kind of, you want to marry up artificial and firm ground. A stud pattern like this, which as we discussed before is purely circular, that's where, and it's spaced as well, you're going to get enough leeway between both artificial and firm ground. So a grassed uh, oval or, or field as well. And like, that's the 442, is that right? The that 442, yeah. yeah. If you look at something like the Tekela, which does have the conical circular shaped studs, but it's also got these teeth on the side on an artificial pitch, the Tekela is just going to grab at that. Even more so is the Furon FG because Chevron is probably Chevron shaped studs, probably the worst thing that you can play on artificial ground with because it grabs so much. And so that's where getting an AG sole plate. So the sole plate kind of lettering that Sam and I have been referencing, you've got SG, which is soft ground. So that's traditionally really long studs or metals. You've got FG, which is the most common. That's firm ground um, or like, so it's nylon short shaped studs. Mm -hmm. You've then got, um, uh, we do TG, which is turf ground. So that's like where it's like a grass cut. I know Asics and Puma used to do those back in the day, kind of like a, a molded cricket spike almost on the sole. Um, and then you've got HG, which we don't really do in this country, but that's really, that's hard ground. That's really short studs. They're quite common in places like Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, yeah. And then you've got AG, which is artificial ground. So they're the really short um circular studs that are that are high in volume on the sole plate so there's so many different options out there you can use websites like ultrafootball.com.au spt have a little bit of information about it as well but um yeah there's so much there's so much info out there in terms of um i guess updating on boots if you're um I guess if you, yeah, you're wanting to to discover more information, then using the brand reps like me, using like people like the two of you um, to source information, then that's as much as you can do to enhance your client's experience as well. So you can make sure that you're you've got as much knowledge as you're capable of taking in. That's yeah, very good yeah. point. And I didn't realize there were so many different types of stud options. So. It, we're definitely going to have to do a follow-up episode on that because that's yeah. very interesting. So if you could, so basically with that, providing yeah information for the turf and then kind of leaving it up to the footwear specialist or the footwear retailer to sort of have that conversation to factor in the dollars and cents plus the 
myriad of different surfaces that they'll potentially be running on. That's what I'm sort of taking away might be important. Now, if both of you could sort of summarize what you feel, so we've sort of tackled the stud component-ish, we will unpack more on another time, another episode, but if you could have a little bit of a takeaway, probably for clinicians, and I'll start off with Sam first, but a takeaway for clinicians, like when it comes to recommending and or fitting football boots, what would be your top one, two or three recommendations that you could give give health clinicians where they could start to improve their game yeah. pretty much straight off the bat. Um, yeah, so bit of a good one. I'm probably going to steal from Maddie a little bit here is to be adaptable um, and to say, well, we're not always going to win on these big parts. Like they're in it for seven hours a week. We might have to do little changes to it, and that's probably the big thing. So we might not be able to get an orthotic in. We not might not be able to do gold standard type of care it might be where you just have to put a pad in or tape for these things but to get a good fit the most important thing beyond everything it has to be individualized it has to be comfortable it has to have good feedback for the person you have in front of you and that's the important part so i would say yep fit it has to have comfort and obviously match it up to the surface that you're playing on I wouldn't get too caught up on high arches, low arches, mm-hmm. normal arches. It's more about basing it upon the individual. And that would be the big thing. So that would be my three, maybe four simple things to take away. They um, are simple and they are good. <laughs> if I can like break that down a little bit, um, a little bit, my three things were all going to be about the fit. So yep. from a, yeah, from like, that's my wheelhouse, I guess. So, um, for me, the first thing that I look for in a football boot is how it feels through my midfoot. So for me, there's nothing worse than putting on football boots because we have to remember and acknowledge that the fitting process for boots and the way they feel on our foot as soon as we put our foot into them is so different to running shoes. You don't get the squishy, um, like fresh foam feel under your foot immediately. You don't get the room in the toe box or that feels really nice. You don't get the the lockdown immediately from, from the heel. And so for me, the midfoot's important because if a boot's too narrow through your midfoot, that is going to freeze up the rest of your foot when you're trying to run in it. And you're not going to enjoy anything about the sport you're playing because you'll be so constricted in that space because it's just going to really pinch and, and cause pain through the midfoot. So um, I would really look at a boot that's going to be broad enough through that space. And I know that sometimes might be like finding a needle in a haystack, but that's where it comes back to trying stuff on in store and having, having a, it's all good and well to buy online, but at the same time, if you're buying a new style that you've never worn before, there will be pitfalls with that. Um, secondly, I would like to make sure that the toes have, if not enough room to move around, at least a small amount of room to move around. Because again, like running <laughs> shoes, you're not going to get that beautiful sensation of being able to move your feet. Um, so we want to make sure that particularly the fourth and the fifth toe have enough room and the metatarsals aren't just completely all chucked in together, which is yep. going to cause pressure. We might see corns develop between toes and things like that if we're wearing um, shoes that are or boots that are too tight through the toe box. Um, and then thirdly, we want to make sure that the fit's got enough lockdown. 
So there's nothing worse than having a boot, particularly through the heel, that's going to move around a lot and cause a blister because the lockdown through the top of the midfoot's not correct. So that's why sometimes a laceless boot might fit your feet perfectly, but that sometimes is very, very rare, which is why we've acknowledged that we're, we need a, a laced option in the Tekela as well. But certainly, yeah, having a good lace closure that's going to lock your foot down and provide support through that area is also important. So to summarise, the three things are enough room in the toe box for your toes to somewhat move around, um, having a midfoot that's going to allow you to sit nicely within the boot and not be pinchy, and then thirdly, to have a um, good lockdown through the laces. I think all of them are fantastic points and I've like was completely unplanned for once, but they both melded in and sort of complemented mm. each other really, really well. So Sam and I roll like that. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like total day, total dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm so appreciative. I've got so much out of this episode. So I'm very appreciative that both of you have taken the time out of your days to join us. Um and I yeah, think we're gonna put a pin in it to revisit some of the topics because it's obvious that there is still so much that you both know and that you can share with us so i just want to wrap things up say thank you now for those clinicians that might be new to the podcast and the vlogs and listening to this um i'll throw it to sam so if people want to follow sam get in touch with sam where can they find you so probably the best place is via my Instagram handle at that football podiatrist. Um, I'm more than happy for you to message, um, send little things um, and have a bit of a chat. If you want to come see me clinically, more than welcome to come into Errol Street and we can talk a little bit more. But yeah, pretty much through that through that Instagram page works really well. Beautiful. And I fangirl it pretty hard as yeah. those that follow P3 would know because yeah, yeah, a lot of useful information that you share on there. So uh, Thank you. And Maddie, as I know you've been on the podcast before, but yeah, where can we track you down? Yeah, always good to update. Um, I'm on Instagram too, but probably not as clinically relevant as what um what Sam is, but it's Spiceman09 if you want to give me a follow. Um in saying that, um, my email is Matt with a double T dot spicer at newbalance.com. Please hit me up if you want any information. I've I've created um some tech sheets on all our football boots. Yeah. I always have a PDF handy for the season's key footwear updates as well. So that includes football, tennis, hoops, uh, and running, of course. Um, so I can send that through to you. Um, I would absolutely love to come and visit as many clinics as I possibly can, but uh, because I live in a time vortex, I can't. So I will be shooting out some invitations for some virtual sessions over the next couple of months. So I'll be hosting that if you want to want to jump in on that. So keep an eye on the inbox for those who... I have of details already, but if you're new and yeah, you want to want to hit me up, um, just flick me an email and we can get in contact and I can share information abundantly about New Balance. Yeah, those tech sheets are amazing and probably the only one of the only major brands that provide it. So yeah, I I follow it. It teaches me a fair bit as well. So thanks for that, Maddie. Good to know. Thank you. So we're just working like this again. Yeah.
I'll be getting my hands on them as well. So, yeah, <laughs> wrapping things up again, thank you both so much for your knowledge, your insight, your expertise. You've shared a lot with us. And we are like I've spoken to both of you about this and we have shared little bits and pieces of one of our new projects coming up on the P3 platform. And that's athletic footwear for health professionals that both of you are in some way, shape or form going to be involved in. So if you would like to find out more about this new footwear knowledge powerhouse that we're creating, you can go to progressivepodiatryproject.com forward slash AFHP and you can register your interest there. There's still a lot of moving parts that we're putting together for this, but it will be launching at some stage this year. And I just, yeah, thank you all for joining us. And again, thanks Sam and Matt for educating us and we'll catch you guys next time. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Sam.